Welcome to Four Dimensions for Teachers, a podcast with Dr. Caroline Blackley, covering topics that surround today's dynamic teaching and learning environments. Ignite your curiosity, engage your passion for discourse, and encourage others to join us in these robust conversations, all to strengthen our community of practice. No need to put your hand up. Just tune in as we laugh, cry, challenge each other, and aim high to continue to be the best teachers we can. In the last few episodes, we've spoken about the importance of interactions. We've talked about earlier choosing the narrative. That was quite a way back, I think, episode 82. And today I want to talk about how our language matters. Now, the language we use in classrooms, and I am not talking about swear words or non-swear words because they should not have a place, particularly from teachers in any classroom. But I'm talking about the language we use to create the environment in which students feel safe, supported, in which students feel that they can take risks, that they can be learners first and foremost. And how does our language impact the learners with whom we are working with on a daily basis? So when we talk about our language, language is driven very much by the values and the belief systems that you have. And for us as teachers in a classroom, if we truly believe that education is for all, and we really have a belief and mindset that we are able to deliver that education for all, our language should be inclusive. Our language should model respect. It should model care. And it should certainly model compassion for all students within the environment in which we are working. Now, when we start to use public redirections, we are almost instantly in complete contradiction of any of those things. Public redirections bring attention to a student or a group of students. When you think about the purpose of why you use them, is it to gain support from students? Is it to shame the students with whom you're interacting with? When we use a green footprint in setting expectations of a high standard, when we re-establish them, when we restate them with high frequency, we provide opportunities for our language and our expectations to be around what we want to see. We create the learning environment in which we want to be teaching and we create the teaching environment in which we want to work. So our language matters and our language is what will drive and create the environment in which we are operating. So what's the difference between language? Language is often also a byproduct or a representation of the affect at which we're feeling at any time. So when we talk language, there are many other things associated with language. The tone, the way we speak based on curriculum conversations as opposed to behavior. So how is your tone used in different settings, in different circumstances? How does the language, the words you use show authenticity and show that you are genuine in the interaction in which you are engaging? And how does your language represent you personally, you professionally? And you as a teacher, where all students feel that they belong. And that comes back to Maslow's work on belonging and that students are more likely to participate, engage, challenge with respect in environments in which this is modeled to them. And the best way of modeling that is through the words that we use to describe learning environments. Even that, do you have clarity when you talk about or do you wander and waffle because your lack of organization shows through? Our language represents who we are at every given moment in a classroom. I did a workshop a few, maybe a month ago, and one of my team, my whole team was there, and one of my team said, for the first time ever, Carolyn, I thought you looked a little nervous. 
And I spoke with her afterwards around this. And as I said to her, it wasn't nervousness. And she said, no, it wasn't nervous, but I don't know what word to attach to it. I said, but you were right. My language absolutely reflected that I didn't have a starting point at that moment. And when we unpacked it, I, on this particular day, I had a group of teachers with me. I had half of them who were so embedded in the Four Dimensions framework. They've used it. They've been with me at multiple schools. They understand the concepts. They are observers. And then I had a whole new group come into this particular workshop that had never even heard of Four Dimensions. So my moment of standing up and representing myself was lacking clarity because I was trying to find a common ground in which to unite an entire workshop so that we had a starting point. There's nothing wrong with having moments where you own that your language does not do you justice and that you feel that you are not the teacher you want to be. What you do need to do, though, is own it. If you are finding moments where you are flailing or you are unsure of your footing, think about how you are likely to represent yourself. Because the one thing that my teacher, my observer, said to me in that conversation, she actually said, I'm sure no one else knew it. It's only that she knows me so well, and it's not how I would usually start when I'm doing a workshop or presentation. When we are in front of our students, it's okay to show that we fail. It's okay to show that we're unsure. But the language we use around instances like that also set up the importance of how we interact and how we model to students what our true beliefs are. So when we show that students and we use a language of acceptance rather than blame, I've seen teachers who can make a mistake on the board and when a student pulls them up can be quite aggressive in their tone. That's a use of language that models to a student, don't correct me, I won't stand for you to tell me how to do things differently, and it almost says that we hide our mistakes. When we use a language that is supportive and safe and encourages students to take risks, what we do is we are assisting students with their thinking. We establish an atmosphere that will encourage talk and encourage discussion. And this comes from the language we use in moments of success as well as moments that are not as as successful. This comes from the language we use in ourselves and our own interactions with peers and with students based around moments that are productive and moments that are not productive. When we are thinking of how we model, do we listen carefully so that we can understand what our students are thinking and feeling? And does the language we use reflect an understanding and an empathy for what's going on in that learning space at that moment? What we want to do is have a language that demonstrates and models to students at all times, that we will build on your contributions, we value your contributions, your ideas and interests, and the purpose of this is we want to extend conversations. Now, there are absolutely going to be times where students want to expand on, contribute, (laughs) extend conversations, and it's not the time to do it because as teacher, I am at this moment doing some explicit instruction. So part of this language then is how do we respond to those moments? Do we use public redirections or do we go to that green footprint of restating expectations and interacting with students who are modelling the behaviours that we expect? What we want to do is develop students to use their full range of thinking skills and all of our interactions start with the language that is used in a classroom. Our language matters. Do we pose appropriate and challenging questions that open up conversations, that place students with a high awareness of what the expectations are for any given activity or any change in activities? 
Do we use words and language that helps students to critically assess, to assist their thinking, to help them recognise their own progress and achievements and how they can build on these? Do we use a language that helps students to accept support and help other students recognise their progress and achievements and to help them build on theirs? Do we use words of kindness when we interact? Do we use words of stability, of awareness? How do you use language to increase the interactions in your environment that represent the learning environment in which you want to work? Language is such a pivotal part of the environment that we wish to create. And the words that we use should absolutely reflect education for all, so inclusive language, inclusivity, but they should also reflect the values of creating a safe and supportive learning space, which comes back to Maslow and do students have a sense of belonging. When we're modeling, we are teaching by example. We are showing students how to do things and how we operate and the ways we would like them to be operating as well. We are mindful of our language, our behaviors, our values. We are mindful of our attitudes and how we portray these to the students because they will imitate what they see and they hear. So if we speak in a manner of abruptness, of public shaming, of redirections to those in our classroom, we are modeling that that's an okay way to interact with your peers. If we speak to students and we use a language and we use words that absolutely brings to the forefront, there are consequences for inappropriate behaviors, but I will always give you a chance to come back to the learning and let's talk learning and curriculum as core business. We are then modeling an environment in which learning is our priority. Our language matters and the words that you use will absolutely define and create the environment in which you want to work. Food for thought. Hope you have some conversations in your staff rooms about that this week. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and visit carolineblackley.com and join our growing community of international educators.